Excuse me. Clyde and Lisa for that ministry in music. Today we're in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, and uh, I am going to actually start a series out of 2 Corinthians. So if you want to be reading ahead, you're welcome to do so as we study the book of 2 Corinthians together. This morning as we open the book, we see that Paul praises God for the comfort that Paul received. Paul was, in fact, in great need of comfort. In 2 Corinthians 1, verse 8, it says, For we do not want you to be unaware, brethren, of our affliction, which came to us in Asia, that we were burdened excessively beyond our strength, so that we despaired of life. Burdened excessively beyond what we were able to bear and despaired even of life. In 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 6, Paul refers to himself as being depressed. Those aren't my words describing Paul. Those are Paul's words describing himself. 2 Corinthians 7, 6. But God who comforts the depressed comforted us. God who comforts the depressed comforted us. Paul openly, very courageously, acknowledges his weaknesses in the book of Second Corinthians. Quite interesting because the Corinthians, many of them were challenging Paul's apostleship. And one of the reasons they were is because they said his his letters are weighty, but his bodily presence is weak. They view them as weak. And so what does he do? Shares with them weaknesses that they were not even aware of. You think I'm weak. Let me tell you how weak I am. I despaired even of life. But Paul is thankful because God comforted him. The key verses are Second Corinthians 1, 3, and 4. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. This morning, we ask the question, why does Paul praise God for the comfort that Paul receives? So the theme this morning is the reasons why Paul praises God for the comfort that God bestows in the midst of Paul's sufferings. Why does Paul praise God for the comfort that God bestows in the midst of Paul's sufferings? Well, the first answer is Paul praises God for the comfort that God bestows because is in fact God who bestows the comfort. Verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Our concept, our view of God, if you will, is extremely important. How do you view God? What is God like? And in particularly, how do you view God in relationship to your own life? To your struggles? Your anguishes? Your hardships? 
your miseries, your difficulties, whether they be emotional or physical or spiritual or material, whatever it is that weighs heavy on your heart and mind, how do you view God in conjunction with all that you are going through? Paul praises God by referring to Him as blessed. Verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father. Blessed is a unique word. It is a word that encompasses both gratitude and adoration. The NIV translates this as, as praise. And praise is good, but it's really inadequate. There, there really isn't a word that comes across in English with the power of blessedness. For it is a word that speaks of, of thankfulness, of, of gratitude, of appreciation, of adoration, of amazement, of awe, of wonder, of gratefulness. Paul is just overwhelmed as he thinks upon the goodness of God. He says, God is really unique. And I am so blessed to be in relationship to Him. Why does Paul view God that way? Why does he put God on such a pedestal? Why is he filled with adoration and praise? Why does thanksgiving come to his heart and mind? Why is there this, this sense of awe and majesty and appreciation and relationship with God? Well, it's because of the way in which he views him. Notice verse 3. God is viewed as blessed because he is the father of mercies and God of all comfort. Verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, and the God of all comfort. As Paul is reflecting on the personhood of God, and as he is reflecting on his personage and the attributes of God, what strikes Paul is the fact that God is the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. I don't know what view comes to your mind of God, whether you view God as an ogre, or you view God as one that is hard to please, or you view God as a judge, or a tyrant, or indifferent, or uncaring. But whatever your view of God is, is going to be incredibly significant when you start viewing your life and your life's experiences. What you think God is doing and how He is behaving and how He is acting and what motivates God in His sovereignty is going to have a huge difference of raising your fist in defiance or bowing in humble adoration and praise. Paul adores God. Because he's the father of mercies. And he's the God of all comfort. Let's unpack that phrase. 
As the Father of mercies, God is viewed as the originator, if you will, of mercies. The source of all mercies. Psalm 145.9 The Lord is good to all, and His mercies are over all His works. Note in the King James and in the NAS, the word mercies is in the plural. If you have an NIV, it translates this as compassion. Compassion is a synonym for mercy. But the mercies of God, as the NAS and King James emphasize, are in the plural. All manifestations of mercy originate in God. That's the thought. He's the Father of all mercies. All individual mercies. All specific mercies. Ultimately, flow out of the mercy of God. All of them are contingent upon the mercy of God. Any mercy that you experience in your life today is an outflow of the ultimate mercy of God, either directly or indirectly. It is a product of God's mercy so that His mercy extends to all of us. And all mercy flows out of that. He begins with the theological premise, and then he deals with the practical application of verse 4, who comforts us in all our affliction, so that we may be able to comfort others who are in any affliction. And I will unpack that in just a few moments. But here we see that God is a God that is merciful. That God has compassion and concern for those who are suffering. Secondly, God is viewed as blessed because God is a God who comforts us. He is the God of all comfort. And verse 4 comforts us. But He is the God of all comfort. Comfort is what God gives out of His mercy or compassion to those who are suffering. So that comfort is His act of goodwill. It is His mercy in practice. Mercy is the impetus for God's comfort. Because God is merciful, He then comforts His people. Here God is described as a God of all comfort. Meaning, once again, that every facet of comfort ultimately stems from God. All of it is a product of His Goodwill. Comfort is certainly the key word in this passage. In the English Bible, the word comfort appears ten times in verses 3 to 7. Ten times in verses 3 to 7. Look at them with me. Starting with verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, the God of all comfort. Number one. Who comforts, number two, us in our affliction, so that we may be able to comfort, number three, all those who are in any affliction with the comfort, number four, with those with which we ourselves are comforted, number five, by God. For just as the sufferings of Christ are ours in abundance, so also our comfort, number six, is abundant through Christ. So if we are afflicted, it is for your comfort, 
number seven, and salvation. Or if we are comforted, number eight, it is for your comfort, number nine, which is effective to the patient enduring of the same sufferings which we also suffer. And our hope for you is firmly grounded, knowing that as you share our sufferings, so also you are the sharers of our comfort, number ten. No question that it's about comfort. Comfort. God is a God of all comfort. Meaning that God is the source of all comfort. Comfort is more than a sentimental consolation. Comfort is underpinning that brings relief to affliction. Lessens the pain. Brings about encouragement. Strengthens the individual. Enabling a person to endure. That is the ultimate product of comfort. Enabling an individual to endure the pain, the suffering, the affliction that one is going through. It is that which makes it bearable. When otherwise it would be unbearable. Paul says, I have despaired of life in my own strength. What I was going through was unbearable. But God. But God comforts us. He makes the unbearable bearable. So, our view of God is very, very important. And I would plead with you to understand that God is a God of mercy, of compassion. And look to Him, for He can and does make the unbearable Look to Him as your source of comfort. Look to Him for you as your source of help. See Him standing ready and willing and able to meet your need. Don't run from God. Fly to God. Secondly, Paul praises God for the abundant comfort that God provides because it is a comfort that fully meets and even exceeds our needs. Now let me say that again. Paul praises God for the abundant comfort that God provides because it is a comfort that fully meets and even exceeds our needs. So obviously we want to unpack those two ideas. First, God provides us with a comfort that fully meets our needs. God provides comfort, His aid, His solace, His ability to enable us to bear what is unbearable in all our difficulties, troubles, or distresses. Notice in verse 4, who comforts us in all our affliction. It's open-ended. The word affliction is extremely broad. It governs every kind of trouble, hardship, adversity, 
difficulty, anguish, pain, suffering, misery that one can experience. No matter what it is. It is God who comforts in all kinds of of difficulties as well in all types of troubles. God comforts in any situation in which we stand in need of comforting. What is said in verse 4, who comforts us in all our affliction, most literally would be translated, who comforts us upon all of our affliction. Prepositions in Greek are very, very important. And literally the thought is, when affliction comes, when it arises or appears, comfort there, comfort is there to meet it head on. It's a word picture. It's a word picture. Upon our affliction, when it comes, bam, God's comfort is there. Which teaches us two important truths. Number one, we don't experience the comfort until we need it. We don't experience the help until the affliction comes. But when the affliction comes, whack! Upon that affliction comes mercy or comfort. Have you ever looked at someone and said, I don't know how they do it. I don't know how they would bear up. I think if I were in that situation, I could never. That's because we aren't experiencing that comfort because we don't need it yet. We don't stand in need of it at this moment. But when it comes, you can be assured. Because God is a God of all comfort. Because God is a merciful God. That when the need arises, His comfort is going to be there. And what right now we view as unbearable, He's going to see us through. The second truth is not only does God meet our need, but God exceeds our need for comfort. God provides us comfort to such a degree that we're able to comfort also, others also. Look at verse 4. Who comforts us in all our affliction. And now this phrase, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction. Now, I'm going to stop here and and pause because there is a great truth here that is often overlooked. For this is not speaking primarily about design or purpose. This is not saying, who comforts us in our affliction so that we are going to be able to comfort others also with the intent of comforting others. That comes later. It's in the passage, to be sure. It's just not here yet. There is foundation that's being laid, which is extremely important. And the foundation that's being laid is that He comforts us in our affliction so that, or in such a way, that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction. Not speaking about purpose or design, but rather degree. God so comforts us 
that we can move from a place of needing comfort to a place wherein we are now able to comfort others in the very realm in which we once needed comfort. The key word in verse 4 is able. Look at verse 4. That we may be able to comfort those who are in the affliction. That's the way NAS translates it. That's the way King James translates it. The NIV translates it so that we can. We can. It's speaking about an ability. But the ability that's granted is not an intellectual ability. And it's not even an empathy. It's not so that we understand how other people suffer so we can help them. Or even that we perceive or empathize in suffering. It's a word of power. The Greek word is the word dunamis. And I think you can easily see the English word that comes out of that is dynamite. Dynamite. Power. Dynamite. He gives us the dynamite. He gives us the power to comfort others. The ability that it has in view is not expertise, it's power. It speaks of the great healing that God enables to take place in our lives. Like a person who is in need of money, and God so abundantly supplies that the person has not only enough money to meet his own needs, but actually has now enough money left over to share with others, the thought is that God can so comfort us that we move from a place of being needy to a place of being helpful. That He can so work in us that now we are able, we are empowered to actually help other people. And that's amazing. God is able to bring us to a place where we can comfort others. We comfort others out of the very same comfort that we ourselves received of God. Look at the end of verse 4. With the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. It is saying, out of the overflowing comfort that we have received now, out of that, we are able to comfort others. Back to the illustration of being financially needy. Out of the grant of money that God would give, now our needs are met, and out of that very same depository, we are able to meet the needs of others. That's the thought. You see, there's the practical application of the theology of verse 3. All mercy and comfort comes from God. And you and I can extend it because we have received it from God. So that now we can be comforting people. Because He so equips and enables. See, what Paul is going to rejoice in is that when he despaired of life, And when he was so depressed that he couldn't go on, that not only did Paul continue to live, not only did Paul go on, but Paul was able to minister to others. He just didn't become a basket case or incapacitated. 
he was able to do the work of God. Application. Have you ever been so physically and emotionally drained that you said to yourself, man, I just can't deal with that right now. Your kids come to you. You're tired. You're upset. They've got an issue. And you're thinking, man, i got my own problems. Can't you deal with that? Or they're fighting over some toy and you're thinking, come on, get, get your act together. Have you ever said to yourself, I've got enough troubles when somebody is sitting there and wanting to pour their heart out to you? You're just not able to deal with it. You've got your own set of issues. You've got your own problems. Well, the thought of this verse is God can not only help you but God can so help you that now you can be refreshed and actually help somebody else. So that out of your pain, you can actually minister. Out of your fear, out of your anguish, out of your trial, out of your hardship, out of your approaching death, out of your struggles in your family, out of your financial difficulties, God can actually work in such a way that you're ready to not only deal with your own problems, but to take on somebody else's. That's this thought. And that's incredible. And that's the goodness of God. Thirdly, Paul praises God for the comfort that comes to us because it comes to us through our association with Jesus Christ. Paul sees a correlation between Christ's suffering and our comfort. Verse 5. For just as the sufferings of Christ are ours in abundance, so also our comfort is abundant through Christ. There are two Aspects of comparison in verse 5. I'm going to deal with the latter first. And that is a comparison of one of abundance. For just as the sufferings of Christ are ours in abundance, so also our comfort is abundant through Christ. The word abundant literally mean, means to exceed a fixed number. It has the aspect of having something remaining. Like a jar in which it is filled with abundance so that the jar can't contain any longer. You're pouring water into it and it spills over the top. God is able to make His mercy spill over. That's that excess out of which we're able to, to minister. That's the extra funds. He's able to cause it to spill over in our lives. And just as the sufferings of Christ spill over, so does the mercy and comfort of God spill over. Christ's sufferings spill over to us. 
John 15, 20. Remember the word I said to you, a slave is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. You're going to share in my sufferings. They're going to spill over. The hardships that Christ endured are going to spill over unto us. We're going to have like hardships and like difficulties. The Scripture says that Jesus was a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. We're going to know sorrows. We're going to know grief. But it's not only a comparison of degree, but it's also a comparison of means. For in union with Christ, there is suffering. In union with Christ, there is suffering. Notice verse 5. For just as the sufferings of Christ are ours, they are Christ's sufferings. In union with Christ, we suffer. Now, the comparison is, in union with Christ, there is comfort. Verse 5. For just as the sufferings of Christ are ours in abundance, so also our comfort is abundant through Christ. Meaning, in relationship to Jesus Christ. It is in association with Jesus Christ that we experience comfort. Jesus said in John 14, 27, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled. Let it be afraid. Jesus said, My peace I give to you. We need to understand when he said, My peace, he's not just speaking about a peace that he gives. He does give peace. But he's not just speaking about a a peace that he gives. He's talking about a peace that he has received and gives to you. Out of the peace that Jesus has, he gives us peace. Let not your heart be troubled. John 14 begins with the words, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. I've always marveled. I, I love doing word studies because they, 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 they put passages together for you. And after Jesus announced that he was going to be betrayed, he says that his heart was troubled. He was troubled. He says to us, Let not your heart be troubled, but he was troubled. And he was anguishing. And he was suffering. And he was in the Garden of Gethsemane. And he was afflicted. And sweating as it were, drops of blood. Crying out to God, God, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. But not my will, but thine be done. And God strengthened him. God enabled him. God underpinned him. God comforted him. And gave him the ability to endure. And he went to that cross that he despised. And he bore our sins. 
And he fulfilled the will of God. And the comfort that he was comforted in in the Garden of Gethsemane and the peace that he received from God he now shares with us. Out of the abundance the spilling over grace of God in his life he shared with us. Through Christ now notice verse 3. Well, I skipped over. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. There is a normal uh, address in the Old Testament of God as the God of mercy. God, God is back. We can look after passage after passage. It refers to God as the God of mercy. We can look at the New Testament. What is unusual in verse 3 is, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. That a positive. Of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. Why is it there? Because we are comforted through Jesus Christ, we are comforted in relationship to God. God is not only the God of all comfort. God is not only the the God of all mercies. He's the Father of the Lord Jesus Christ. And because of our union with Jesus Christ, He becomes our Father. So that we can cry out to God, Abba, Father, Daddy, Father. But as many as received Him to them, gave you power to become the children of God. In relationship to Jesus Christ, you know the Heavenly Father, the one who's the source of all comfort and mercy. So then, Application, Paul's sufferings are akin to Christ's sufferings. That is, he suffers in the same that Christ did. So too, Paul is comforted in the same manner that Christ was comforted through the Father's love and care. And further, Christ himself is a comfort to Paul. Which brings us to number four. Paul praises God because of the design of the comfort that God bestows. Verse six. But if we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation. Or if we are comforted, it is for your comfort. Now, finally, we get to what most people put in verse 4, but needs to be reserved for here. Because it's out of the abundant mercy that we have received that now we are able to comfort others. So, why does God give us more mercy than we need? Why does God cause it to spill over? Most people, if they're pouring water into a glass, stops when it's full. We think it's a mistake. If when you fill a glass, it spills over. You may even think of it as a waste. As a waste. 
two reasons. One, to teach us that it is immense. It is unfathomable. You can't ever, ever utilize all of it. There's enough grace to go around and then some. Picture the miracles of Christ. The feeding of the 5,000. Five loaves and two fishes. Out of this incredibly small amount, there's a great need. Multitude of people need to eat. Not enough. Not enough food for a multitude of people. We've got five loaves and two fishes, but what are they among so many? It's an unbearable situation. It's it's hopeless. What can be done? Throw up your hands. You better send them away. Better get them to find food somewhere. No, you said, tell them to sit down. And feed them. And after they feed the multitudes out of five loaves and two fishes, what do they do? They gather up 12 baskets full. There's more than enough. There's more than enough. And in this passage... There's more than enough. Why? So that you use the extra for somebody else. So you share it with somebody else. That you pass it on. Verse 6. But if it is afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation. Or if we are comforted, it is for your comfort. For your comfort. Now, all of a sudden, suffering, which is once a negative, actually becomes a, a positive. Now, suffering takes on a new dimension. Now, there's a a certain nobility to suffering. Now, there's a rhyme or reason to suffering. That is what most people wrestle with. God, why would you allow this to happen to me? I'm a good person. I've tried to serve you. I've prayed. I've read my Bible. I've gone to church. i I've tried to be faithful and look at the mess I am in. Why, God? Why would you allow this to happen to me? God, you're unfair. God, you're unjust. God, you're unholy. God, you're unmerciful. God, you are this or that. Your view of God is incredibly important at that moment. God is not being vindictive to you. And if you can see God as a merciful God and ask you to give, grant him, ask God to grant you the ability to bear what every mankind has to bear. We all die. We all have troubles. We all have difficulties. Don't ask yourself why. Ask yourself why not. We're all going to be there at some point. But God is merciful. And he will give you not only the ability to endure it, but actually to minister to others. So now my suffering takes on a purpose. Now I suffer with the express intent of glorifying God. Now suffering is actually to be salvific. 
salvific, meaning that it brings about salvation. Not ours directly, and certainly not others directly. Christ suffered for our salvation directly. He bore our sins. He bore our iniquities. Our chastisements were placed upon Him. They were our afflictions. They were our torments. They were our struggles. They were our difficulties. They were our pains that were laid upon Christ. And He suffered to save us. So Paul suffers to save others. And he calls on others to suffer so they indeed can save still others. So verse 6. But if we suffer, it is for your comfort, your salvation. Notice, your comfort, your salvation. To be able to share with other people what God enables you to do, what no one else is able to do. What other people find to be unbearable. What we have in 2 Corinthians is a wonderful example of the humility of Paul. When people are looking at Paul as being weak, Paul says, you don't understand how weak I am. Why does he share how weak he is? Because then they will only understand where his strength comes from. In my weakness, I am made strong. And you have the opportunity in other people's weakness to point them to the one that can make them strong. If you're not just going to take all the credit for yourself, if you're not going to say, oh well, I've learned how to put up with things, or I have a high tolerance of pain, or I've learned to bite my lip. But if you're willing to acknowledge the relationship that you enjoy to Jesus Christ makes all the difference that God has enabled you to endure and persevere. Not that the trial isn't a trial. It is. Not that the difficulty isn't difficult. It is. Not that it wasn't hard for Jesus to die on the cross. It was Not that Paul was paranoid when he was thinking about death or that he was sinful when he was depressed. But he was depressed. But God saw him through it. And it's the answer to other people's problems as well. God can see you through it. And God can save you in the fullest sense of that word. Jesus Christ died in order to save others. And we should be willing to suffer in order to save others. Because now, there are some sufferings that can be avoided. Paul didn't need to suffer in all the ways that he did. A lot of the suffering that he experienced was for the cause of Christ. Some sufferings are unavoidable. We don't have control of our own body, the diseases we get, some of the family issues, there, there are just tons of things that happen to us over which we have no control. But there are some things we do. And our society, if it hates anything, it hates suffering. When a person dies, you know the first thing that people ask of, of the doctor when a loved one dies? You tell me. Did they Did they suffer? Did they suffer? Because in our mind, in our world's mind, 
the worst thing in the world is to suffer. That's how, that's how much we long for pleasure. That's how much we, we long for delight. People would rather see a loved one doped up so that they could never talk to them again so that they wouldn't have to suffer. Believe me, I'm not being an advocate of suffering in the sense that we want people to suffer. But I tell you, I tell you, I tell you that suffering is not the worst thing in the world. And Paul suffered what he didn't have to suffer, humanly speaking. He's going to go on in 2 Corinthians talking about shipwrecks. He's going to talk about being in the, in the, in the deep. He's going to talk about robbery. He's going to talk about all kinds of stuff that he didn't have to put up with. But he did in order to be able to minister to others. Two closing thoughts. One, God will give you the ability to endure if you are his own. Use that ability to minister to others. He will give you enough strength that not only can you deal with your own problems, you can deal with other people's problems too. So don't turn people away. Realize that you're put in a unique situation. In your suffering, people who are suffering in the same way are going to be looking for your help. Share with them of the mercy and grace of God in union with Jesus Christ. And secondly, secondly, believe that God is a God of all mercy. And believe that if God forbid you and I are persecuted for our faith, if you and I have to stand for the things of God, and if we have to endure suffering, believe that upon that suffering, in that moment, wham! We're going to get the grace of God. Don't ask yourself, how could I do it? Just don't dread it or fear it. But believe that God will see you through it. There were actually martyrs who died singing. Not because they were such great people. Because they worshipped and served such a great God. And the crowds were amazed. And the gospel that was intended to be snuffed out through their deaths spread like wildfire across Europe. Because God is a God of all mercy and grace and comfort. Is there any reason Paul begins, is there any amazement that Paul begins and says, Blessed be God, the Father, Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of all mercies, and the God of all comfort. May we praise God today that we serve a merciful, loving God who gives us His comfort. Let's pray. Our Father, help us to worship you. Help us to acknowledge the mercy, the comfort that you give. Lord, if nothing else, help us today to at least get our heads on straight that we 
realize who you are. The kind of God that we serve. It is a caricature. It is sinful. It is a product of the evil one. To think of you as this ogre. As this God who cannot be satisfied. Who pours out his vengeance and wrath upon your own. God, help us to see. Help us to understand you are a merciful God. So that we run to you. Not flee. We don't hide. We open up. We acknowledge, even as Paul did, we're close to death. We're depressed. We stand in need. Oh Lord, help us then to experience that, that mercy, that grace, that comfort that not only meets our needs but exceeds it. And help us to share with others what God has been doing in our own lives. Help us to acknowledge it's in relationship to Jesus Christ. The God and Father of the Lord Jesus Christ is our Father, our God. And the peace that Jesus gives is the peace that He received. And the peace that we give is the peace that we have received. That we share with others out of what you have already done in our own lives. And Lord, may we stand ready. May we be excited to see there's a purpose, there's a dignity, there's a nobility, there is a pride to be had as we suffer well. For we bring you praise and honor and glory and minister to the needs of others. Oh God, help us to suffer well. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.